ultimately, a lot of Wisconsin is very rural. It's very a lot of small towns. And our next guest is, in his own words, a farm boy. And he's also a contributing opinion writer for the Journal Sentinel, where he writes about issues in our state's rural areas. Brian Reisinger, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so excited. We, we used to do uh, a segment for Journal Sentinel where we would talk about issues of the day. So I'm excited that since we don't get to do that anymore, I can just have you on the show. We continue to talk about things. It's so exciting. And I'm just like pumped to be here in your new world. I'm loving what you're doing. The place looks great. It's outstanding. So you, what took you to Potosi, Wisconsin? Because that's not where you're from. You're from outside of like in the Dane County part of rural Wisconsin, right? Yeah, I grew up on a farm about an hour west of Madison, um, uh, Spring Green area, Sauk County. And uh, technically, we would claim Potosi because we're all part of the Driftless region and kind of that part of western or southwestern Wisconsin that uh, that often feels left behind or forgotten. But it's a little bit of a haul out to Potosi, and you got some, some bluffs to travel to get out there. Um, what took me there is I was looking for examples of communities that have defied something that's been going on for decades, which is dying rural communities. And Potosi was a place that was as close to death as any rural community you could probably pick on a map and had overcome it um, in a way that was really, really interesting to me. So I, I uh, got, in the, got in the truck and drove out there to see what's going on, and uh, it was pretty interesting. So what is the story, Potosi? So Potosi um, had a lot of the challenges that many of the rural communities in Wisconsin have had that have been shrinking and, and maybe even reaching the verge of, of death, which is that they had a combination of manufacturing jobs leaving in the late part of the 20th century, combination of farms that were failing, and basically loss of population. Um, there weren't jobs, there weren't farms, there weren't things that would usually give people enough economic opportunity to stick around. So sons and daughters were leaving for the bright lights of the big city um, or moving to other parts of Wisconsin because they just couldn't find the opportunity. And their population was shrinking. They didn't have the kind of economic activity that comes when you got people in a community. And it was really going down the tubes. It was kind of becoming a retirement community where more people are dying than being born. And there isn't a lot going on to reverse that. And so what did they do when you say they were kind of on the brink of becoming a ghost town? What did they do to change gears? Well, obviously, they picked up a Wisconsin classic, which is beer. Uh, they had a brewery that had been closed in the 1970s. It was actually one of the really big things that was a big death blow. And the way that people talk about that brewery after it closed was it looked like a bombed out building from a war-torn country. And it's true. The brewery closed, um, the company left, and people, you know, over the years would pillage the building for things, grab keepsakes, the walls were crumbling, there was rubble all over the ground. And what they realized is that the Potosi Brewing Company had such a long storied history. They said, this is something unique about our identity. And they thought about it not only in terms of economic opportunity and what was working and what wasn't, but they said, who are we as a people? And what do we have here that is unique about us? And they realized that this storied history, there was something to that. Um, so there were a combination of small business people who bought the building, um, local leaders who decided to try to rally the community, um, volunteers, um, donors. Um, they raised millions of dollars just from uh, small contributions from citizens all over Potosi to restore the brewery. And they've built an entire not only economy, but kind of culture and ecosystem around this thing that had once been, you know, for naught. 
Well, I, I think it's so interesting. When I was reading the story, and it was a it was a beautiful story, and I was glad to see the uptick. How long has it been since that uptick has been in place? And what about the young people who aren't leaving necessarily because the jobs left, but because they just don't want to be um, in a rural community anymore? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So they got the brewery going again in the early 2000s. And I think what that shows is that it's not about any one moment, right? The brewery coming back is such an important thing economically, culturally, symbolically, but they had to keep going beyond that. So they still have people who are working hard. I mean, you go and you talk to current and former village officials or local folks in Potosi, they're working as hard at bringing a small business into downtown Potosi as you would see the greater Milwaukee area work to bring in a a huge employer with thousands of jobs. They view it as that important. They're fighting for the life of their community. And so it it really kind of started with the brewery and was really the brewery's emblematic of it, but it's ongoing and it's about the community's identity it's about entrepreneurs it's about volunteers it's about everybody trying to build toward this one common goal and it's pretty remarkable to see any community head in one big direction like that um that's what i thought was really interesting about potosi Um, but you touch on another issue which is that it's not only because of lost economic opportunity but like some people want to be in rural areas some people want to be in urban areas there's a reason that our population has changed so much and there are so many communities that struggle with this and that's where COVID came in uh, for me, I found it very interesting that, you know, statistically, there are rural areas that are now growing because you've got an urban workforce that can live, in some cases, can live anywhere and still be working their urban jobs. And you have a rural workforce that's continuing to live or maybe seeing more ability to live in places like Potosi and work remotely for companies. And so the fact that, you know, COVID, you know, catastrophe, terrible situation that it was created that silver lining is very interesting where there are a lot of people who've left places like Potosi because they want to live somewhere else. But there's also a lot of people who left or didn't feel like they could stay because they couldn't see the opportunity. And so now it's being paired with more opportunity, more of that flexibility. And Potosi at one time was really swimming against the grain, making themselves a tourism community from a dying community. And now you've got that paired with the fact that there are more people moving back to rural areas or more people seeing that they have the ability to stay in rural areas and still pursue the other opportunities that they need in their life. Our guest is Brian Reisinger. Brian, why, why is this so personal for you? Oh, it's personal because I am trying to be part of the solution and I myself am part of this exact problem. So it ties back to something that has really been a big journey for me personally. Um, I grew up on a farm, as we've mentioned, and I grew up working with my dad since I could walk. And um, I did not have the talent for cattle and tractors that my dad does and that my sister who's taken over our farm does. And I grew up for a long time feeling like I didn't fit in and needing to find, you know, where else could I thrive? And I ended up pursuing a writing career and it took me a lot of different places, but you know, I'll never forget the hurt in my dad's face when we were on vacation in Nashville, Tennessee. And I turned to him and looked at him and said, I think I'm going to live here someday. And he was crushed because, you know, what our parents want is to have their, you know, they want their kids to be happy first and foremost. But if they can be happy and be near, um, that's something that they uh, obviously really love and cherish. And I went away for a number of years. I came back to Wisconsin. And now I uh, live splitting my time between Northern California, where my wife's from and where her job is, and where my work and writing and family are back in Wisconsin. I'm fortunate to have a mobile enough work situation where I go back and forth. But after having moved away and then come back, for a number of years and then moved away and kind of split my time. I'm constantly at battle with myself about this, about whether I'm doing enough to help rural communities like the places where I grew up, the places I believe in. So, 
Well, when we come back, I want to get more information on how we can help rural communities and also what connects us city dwellers or a city folk to the rest of the state and why we should care about these things. Brian Reisinger will be with us when we come back. This is Spanning the State on WTMJ. Welcome back to Spanning the State. My name is Kristen Bry. I'm here with Corey Joe Biddle, and we are talking to Brian Reisinger on rural Wisconsin, rural America, what we need to be doing and thinking about when it comes to, I don't want to say, savings sounds really patronizing. That's not the word that I want to say. How would you refer to this, Brian? Yeah, I think we're talking about rebirth um, because the, the problem isn't that sometimes certain economic opportunities go away or people need to find opportunity elsewhere, but the problem is that there isn't a rebirth, you know, and trying to find what's that next act for a lot of these places that were maybe based on an older form of economy or a form of economy that maybe is still here, but isn't quite what it once was, you know, that's the way I look at it. Are there other examples you've come across in your writing, in your research that other communities are doing this well, as far as a rebirth? Yeah, absolutely. So there are, um, uh, there are communities all across the state that are doing this well. Um, I think a lot of communities in Door County have found a way to mm. do this. That sounds like an obvious answer because of tourism, but you know somebody had to think about that. Somebody had to create that, right? Um, when you look at like Barocca, um, you look at um, Paoli um, outside Madison. That's a place where there's like a great beer garden and tons of um, really cool small businesses and things like that. They're just you drive through there and it kind of feels like oh, all of a sudden there's something going on here, you know. So there's places like that too. Um, I actually had a, we did a video about this for the column that was on jsonline.com. So it was kind of related, um, but there's a, there's a bar called Junior's Tavern that is right near the farm where I grew up and the towns nearby um, are among those who've been shrinking for a long time. And there was a a guy named Sean Shell who bought what was this old bar that had, you know, kind of some regulars and would get some bikers to come by now and then snowmobile crew here and there. Um, But he bought this bar and he, totally redid it, reinvigorated it. And now it's like a spot for the bikers and the snowmobilers and the hunters and people from out of town and bicyclists. And like, it's like this like really kind of wild hopping place in a kind of almost feels like in the middle of nowhere and it makes it even better, you know? And so you can, you see little kind of glimmers of hope like that. So with the couple minutes that we have left, I want to hammer home why Corey, Joe, me, any of us sitting here in our downtown Milwaukee studio, what connects us to rural communities? Why should we be invested in them even though we don't live there? Yeah, absolutely. There are uh, kind of two economies in this country. There's probably a million different economies, right? But if you want to break it down simply, there's rural economy and the urban economy. And the challenge that we have for the urban economy is if the rural economy fails us, Um, it really is pretty foundational. So think about where your food comes from. Think about where our natural resources come from, um, whether it's, you know, food and fishing, whether it's lumber, whether it's mining um, for energy, uh, for metals, um, whatever the case may be. If if we actually have a full-out collapse of the rural economy, the urban economy will collapse too. And that sounds um, kind of doomsday, but it's it's true. We're, We're interconnected. The other reason is the rural urban divide. And the more that rural areas feel left behind, um, the less able people there are able to see what's going on in the city and feel anything other than resentful about it. 
And that's just one of many ingredients that are helping to further divide our country. So we need to understand that our two economies depend on one another and that really from a cultural standpoint, um, we need to stop dividing ourselves based on where we live. And I think if we can find a way to continue to encourage more of the rebirth in these rural communities that we're talking about, that can be part of making sure that we have an economy that supports, you know, urban areas and, and also just a, just a healthier state, a healthier country and uh, something maybe start to heal some of those divisions, which is probably a whole nother show segment, but it's related. Uh, tell us who's, who's fueling the rebirth in communities like Potosi. Like they raised so much money for the initial spark of change in investment in tourism. Is it, community is it foundations and is there anything that we can be doing to support that absolutely that is such a great question because i think a lot of times people assume that when that happens it's maybe because of like a huge government grant or something like that and there's certainly a place for those things but the amazing thing that happened in potosi is so they raised like four million some odd dollars in the first run um to be able to to do this and more than half of that came from small local contributions. There was, there was foundations and other stuff, but like no taxpayer money went toward it. Um, and, and there was a big chunk of like money from like large foundations, but there was a, a, as big or even bigger chunk that just came from people throwing five bucks in the jar, you know? And I think that what that ties back to is that the most important thing here is an idea. They had an idea of what their identity was and ought to be, and everything else flowed from there. Brian, one more question in 10 seconds. Your country music fan, thoughts on Beyonce? Oh, my gosh. You know, I want <laughs> not, to not too long for 10 seconds. <laughs> we got to let yeah, you go, Brian. I want to hear we... her cover. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get that answer later. You, 